Hey everyone, it's Stefano, and you're listening to the GCMC podcast. And happy new year! I hope you had a great holiday and got to spend time with friends and family, as well as enjoy some downtime too. Now, I know that a lot of our students and soon-to-be grads spend winter break studying for their CPAs or other certifications, um, as well as taking winter classes. So I'm definitely wishing you all the best of luck. Now, for today's episode, we chat with Nina Potapan, and we actually recorded this episode before the holidays, and I was hopeful we could get it out before then, but unfortunately, we had some server and host site issues, so we were unable to post until now. So, although it's a little late, I hope it's still a nice New Year treat, and you enjoy it. Nina and I had a really great time chatting about career changes and succeeding in job and internship searches. So, as we dive into 2020, I hope this helps. So as always, thanks so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Hey everyone, it's Stefano, and you're listening to the GCMC Podcast. And for today's episode, we're going to be talking about going from not invited to invited, um, and also making a career change. Oh, I'm making a career change. So with me here today, I have Nina Potapan. Hi, Nina. Hi, great to see you, Stefano. You too. Thanks so much for taking the time. Um, we're actually recording this. This is the last week of classes, right? Yes, we're in the final stretch. Oh my gosh, last day is Thursday. Yeah. Yeah, and then finals are coming. So I'm gonna do my best to get this up and running as soon as possible, so that you have some non-school work-related content to listen to to kind of get you out of it for a bit. Um, but if you're gonna be traveling for the holidays, could be something good to listen to as well. Um, so, Nina, the reason why I reached out to you, and again, I'm so excited to chat with you and pick your brain, is because I do remember you from this past uh, on-campus recruiting OCR season, and um, I just felt like I would see you at events, and we would email all the time about like different applications or um, just specific questions that you had, and I did my best to help you along yeah, the way. Yeah, totally, and thank you, Stefano, because you were always so speedy with your responses, and that was so helpful because I know it can be a really stressful time with a lot of things up in the air, and so to just have that response be quick and reassuring just like meant so much, so thank you. Of course. I do my best. During OCR, it can be a little like... <coughs> overwhelming because I get a lot of emails not just from students but also from employers if yeah. they have to like make updates or changes to their postings or events and stuff like that so that's why I really do my best because I know that it can be like a really overwhelming yeah well season. you and just the GCMC in general is is such a good support and so I think students should be reminded and encouraged to use those resources just because yeah it's a scary time with yeah. a lot of deadlines <laughs> and um a lot going on so yeah and speaking of a lot, a lot going on, so that again, that's kind of what reminded me um, of this topic, and I was excited to chat with you, is because during the process, I remember you saying, like, I'm actually getting callbacks, and like, I'm getting good traction this time around. I feel like last time around, I didn't do as well. And so that to me was a good reminder, and that your first OCR season isn't always going to be the one. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it takes a little bit of time and a little bit of experience to, like, get under your belt so that we can go back a second time around and fully succeed, kind of like you did. Totally, yeah. But before we dive in and get started, um, maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself. So maybe your academic and professional background. Yeah, of course. And stuff like that, just so that listeners can get a little bit of a better idea of where you're coming from. Yeah, and so this also kind of explains why the first OCR season was a little bit overwhelming for me in my first year is because I'm from, <clears throat> I'm from um, 
a very different academic background. So I studied art history uh, in my undergrad, um, and I really enjoyed it. I still love art. It's still a big part of my life, um, but just kind of yeah, my academic background was very different. It was in a liberal arts area. Um, I hadn't really, really worked with math or developed as many of my like analytical skills. And so um, when I finally decided to make the switch into accounting, which a lot of people were confused about why I wanted to do that. What? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, You know, after studying art history, I was kind of working a bit as like a freelance curator and organizing a lot of art shows. And I felt that I really liked the um, administrative end of that. And I was working a lot with spreadsheets as I was managing sales of art and the exhibitions. Um, And I kind of liked that organizational side of things. Um, And then once I had moved to New York, um, I was working in a cafe kind of figuring out what I wanted to do still hosting art shows still working with artists um but at this cafe I was working at um there was kind of a tip fraud incident Mm -hmm. which is how I like to describe it yeah it was no fun (laughs) it was really bad the manager basically ran off with like three weeks worth of employee cash tips oh my gosh yeah and the owners weren't aware of how much money was gone it it was a mess Mm. um but what i did instinctively to kind of advocate for myself and my team and to get us paid in full for what we were owed was i was able to kind of go through some of the um you know, the POS system Mm -hmm. at the business and some pretty poorly kept, pretty unorganized records that the manager did have. Mm -hmm. And through using both of those sources, I was able to piece together um, a spreadsheet that went back over those three weeks and um, took into account all of the hours that each employee had worked and then kind of retroactively distributed the tips. Mm -hmm. Um, And basically the outcome of that was that the... um, the owners agreed to the numbers that I came up with and paid all of the employees in full. And mm. so that, in a funny way, was what I like to call kind of forensic bookkeeping. And it yeah. sparked my interest in, like, kind of accounting, mm-hmm. which is funny because it was on such a small scale. And now what I'm learning is on such a larger scale. But, um, yeah, just kind of like how internal controls can really affect employees and, um, you know, the way businesses are run and, and these wheels in my head started turning and I had a lot of questions. So I eventually realized those questions were too much to really learn on my own. And I um, enrolled in Baruch's MS accounting program. Mm-hmm. So... So here I am, you know, an art history (laughs) kid who's always been like liberal arts all the way, um, really not taken very many business credits in my undergrad, actually none. Um, (laughs) Zero. (laughs) Zero. It's my first semester in a master's program for accounting. I have never taken an accounting class before, (laughs) and there's this thing called OCR, and it's like... Everybody's like, oh, you have to do OCR. It's for to get hired by accounting firms. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, who would want to hire me? Because I don't even know, like, debits and credits. <laughs> I just, I felt like I, I was nowhere near where I would need to be to be competitive in something like that. But I had made a friend in one of my classes, and she was really encouraging about OCR. She said, you know what? Even if you don't want to apply to any of these roles, you should still go to the accounting fair 
and um check out the different booths and talk to some people like the more you know kind of and and so that sounded valuable to me and so I went and um I applied to a couple different positions in that first OCR season and I made it pretty far with EY um to the final round of interviews and I was shocked because EY is like one of the big four and that seemed like probably the last thing that I would be like in the running for having no courses no academic experience no (laughs) yeah no work experience no business courses but I did have my um yeah my forensic bookkeeping story yeah um and so I told that um I kind of just went into it with really low expectations and and it didn't pan out. I was I was lucky to have gotten the interview experience mm-hmm. in that first year, but I was really disappointed when it didn't happen because it yeah. seemed like this huge thing. Um did you ever think to yourself like uh that was like my one chance yeah. or you know, will I ever get the opportunity again? Like what was that like for you? It totally felt like that. Like it felt basically because I had made it that far in the interviews cuz for the EY one, there was um, a video interview mm. and then an in-person interview. And, and so, and I'm sure some of the people listening can relate to this, having, go through, having gone through the OCR processes. It's like each stage where you make it to the next step is exciting, but mm. it's also like, oh, gosh, now I have to wait again to, like, <laughs> hear back for this next thing. And it's so, it is such a waiting game. And so after having gone through, like, a month really thinking that I had a good shot I just thought yeah like you know there's no way but instead of getting completely discouraged I did I did know that I would have another OCR season and because of the um I have so many credits to take in the MS Mm -hmm. program Mm -hmm. even going pretty much full-time it's gonna take me a total of six semesters yeah so I knew that I would have one more academic year than the average MS student. Right. So I knew that the next year I, I could still qualify for internship roles. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of like took a step back and realized, you know, it kind of makes sense that they didn't hire me. I don't have any relevant experience. <laughs> like, <laughs> And I thought about what I could do um, not to make me more competitive for OCR next year. Like, that wasn't really my goal. Well, you were already competitive enough. Because if you really think about it, I mean, you were, like, competing with people that had probably some academic coursework or internship experiences. And it was a matter of, like, probably personality, totally. yeah. outlook, ability to storytell. And I really think that sometimes, like, when there's less pressure on you going in and you're like, I'm just going to try this out, yeah. it feels that that kind of like desperation or nervousness whatever that is doesn't come across because for me there was no I I wanted it because I knew it was something that I should want but I also kind of had no idea about how the whole process worked um but interviewing and having those conversations with you know those partners and professionals um throughout the process made me realize there are a lot of things about this field that I don't know Mm -hmm. and and not that I felt, oh, well, I'm going to need to know those things for next year's interview. More just like, well, I am interested in forensic accounting. Mm-hmm. 
and you know I should learn more about what this position entails and just kind of what forensic accountants do and I'll be more well-rounded because of it and I, I wasn't really thinking that much about the next year but I felt like because I did start having that interest I was reading things, I was following Twitter accounts, I was, you know, I joined ZIFA, which is the Zicklin Forensic Accounting Association, um, and and then over time, I, I did become a more competitive candidate, and so, long story short, this year I did OCR again, and I applied to even more um, mm-hmm. roles, and I did get called back. I went from not invited to invited, which felt really good. But the main change was just that I had really grown into myself. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that I was trying to fit so much what they were looking for. It was just that I was so much more knowledgeable because I had spent that whole in between that year in between the two OCRs, um, just kind of exploring what it was that I wanted. Um, and like, the reasons why I was interested in forensic accounting to begin with. Um, And so, yeah, the second OCR season was a lot more successful, and I reapplied to the EY forensic internship. Every stage, (laughs) I was surprised again, like, whoa, they're really going to consider me again? And and then finally I was in that final interview one more time, and it was the same interviewers. I I remember (laughs) you mentioning that. It's the same. It's the same person. I didn't know if I should just, like, ignore that or if I should, like... But I acknowledged it because it's, like, at the end of the day, you have to remember that the person at the other end of the table is just another person. They're not, like, some god that, you know... They're going to also remember you more or less. And so I just said, hey, um, oh, my goodness, it's so great to see you again. I'm really excited to share with you everything I've done since last year because, like, that literally was the case. And so... So, you know, there's no guarantee that if you apply for a same role two OCR seasons in the row, you would get the same interviewer. But it kind of in that way, I saw it as a benefit because that almost gave context that I could frame all of the cool things that I had done in the year kind of as like, well, yeah, last year I was pretty likable. I had good stories. Um I had some experience in the art world that could be skewed to be Mm -hmm. somewhat relevant, Mm -hmm. Um, but I was missing a big chunk of the academic and work experience, and then, like, now I have that, Mm -hmm. and and I was just excited to update them. Yeah, like, let's catch up. Yeah. And let me tell you about some of the things I've been doing since we last met. Totally. Basically. Oh, and then another thing that I forgot to mention was that Again, during that time period in between the two OCR seasons, um, I found an internship that I uh, ended up doing in the spring, which was at the MoMA, which is huge for somebody, but in their accounting department. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not just like (laughs) a curatorial (laughs) internship. No, no, no. I got an accounting internship in the accounting department at the Museum of Modern Art. Best of both the world. It was huge for me because I was just so excited to be in that environment, best of both worlds, and I was comfortable in that environment, you know? Like, I got to go look at Picasso's on my lunch break, you know? And, like, I was working with other people who, like, had an affinity for the arts, and so... But I was also doing accounting, and so... Not only was that a great internship in and of itself, but it really 
it boosted my confidence, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I was, okay, well now, now I do have work experience. Um, and so I think that that moment internship kind of served two purposes. It's that I could then speak to that accounting work experience the next year when I was interviewing, but, um, also that career link is a really valuable resource and mm-hmm. that, after OCR is over, like, <clears throat> you guys should all still use the um, GCMC and follow CareerLink because that was not an OCR internship, and it was the perfect match for my first year. I think had I done the EY internship last summer, I may have floundered in it, and I may have really not enjoyed it, like, because... I don't know. I just feel that MoMA was really good and mm. just like getting me comfortable and getting me confident. Yeah. And so now going into EY, I know it's going to be a much more corporate atmosphere and like probably a lot more conservative. And But I understand the work that they're going to be doing in there. And I at least have like the MoMA experience to kind of say, I've worked in an accounting office before. Like mm-hmm. I, and so, yeah, definitely don't sleep on the um, posts that come through after OCR is closed. Yeah, and I'm really glad that you mentioned that too, because I forgot for a second as well. And that I was going to ask, like, well, what what did you do in that year? And then taking that internship on, I think, was such a game changer for you because, like, you had really great work experiences, maybe not 100% related to what you wanted to yeah. get into, but then having something that was... Uh, related to um, a position that that you would want to secure in the future, I think definitely gave you like that foundation. Yeah, and being able to talk about it, and it's also like a pretty great like name too, like the MoMA. Right. That's huge. And like it was funny because a lot of you know family friends, kind of people like that, after I did the moment internship were saying like oh well do you think once you're finished with the masters you're gonna like work for a museum or an arts administration or like try to do accounting at a museum like since you loved it so much and I said you know what no I'm gonna like shoot for the stars and see what working Mm -hmm. for a big four is like I am an artist and like Mm -hmm. I love the arts um and that's important to me but I know that and I know that I succeeded at MoMA so it's cool to know that that is something that I could always I don't want to say fall back on but like that that could be an option for me in the future. Mm-hmm. But instead of just kind of saying like, oh yeah, that's my niche, so I'm gonna stick there. It's always good to challenge yourself. Mm-hmm. And employers really like to hear stories about you challenging yourself also. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the MoMA, the MoMA part was huge. I, would, I, I had the three um, kind of bullet points that I had going into interviews to update um, you know, just everything I had done in that year were the moment internship, joining Zifa, mm-hmm. and um, and then a couple books that I had read just on topics just to show that it was me taking my own time to kind of get more interested. Um, and then, of course, accounting courses as yeah. well <laughs> were, like, a huge part. It's like, oh, I actually uh, completed, you know, some of these courses. Yeah, and now. I could, like, <laughs> speak to actual content that <laughs> I was performing in those classes. Um, yeah, so, like, gaining additional experience, immersing yourself in, like, the industry with, like, articles and stuff like that, and then the courses, I think. Yeah, like, work experience, you know, it doesn't have to be a formal internship. It can just be, like, hey... I learned this on my own because mm-hmm. I was interested in it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And how about for your interview for like the MoMA internship since you didn't have a hundred percent, maybe the background that they were looking for, like what was that experience like for you? Like how did you like pitch it to them or like frame it or, you know, tell your story? Cause I feel like 
um, if we have some students that are that went through OCR didn't do as well because maybe they were or or are in the same position that you were in that first year like what would you tell them um, would yeah. be like the best approach to kind of secure that internship to then add to their portfolio as they move on yeah so I would say schedule an appointment with a GCMC advisor and go over your past experience that you do have you would be really surprised how many like things that you wouldn't think are relevant actually do have relevant qualities and all it takes is somebody whose job it is to be like a career advisor to kind of extrapolate well you know you did manage sales there in that art show so that could be you know considered something that is working with money um or what's another example like one of the big art shows that I had curator had a corporate sponsor so it was like um you know I had to organize artists but also respond to and update and stay on budget and stay on deadline with um the sponsors of the event who were paying us to do it um and that's kind of the same thing, like managing a budget, managing a deadline. Like that is similar to working on an engagement with a big group of people. I mean, in these interviews, they often ask you about teamwork, working with others. And and, and those are kind of more soft skills that mm-hmm. you can develop through other lines of work. Like it, I really thought I had no experience, but after coming to the GCMC, I actually was able to really like talk about how some of my experience was relevant after all. Mm -hmm. So don't discount, like don't just automatically leave something off your resume because it's in a different field, I would say. Yeah, that's a good point because sometimes um, I have heard of students doing that because they don't don't want it to be perceived or adding to them not having relevant experience, but yeah. it still is experience. And just like you said, like you can pull so much from yeah. different uh, jobs or internships that, you know, maybe don't fully translate into, but a lot of the skills and the yeah, abilities. Yeah, so like another one that I used this time in an interview was the fact that I, I've i been a nanny since I moved to New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so like after the restaurant stuff and the tip fraud incident (laughs) (laughs) I got kind of (laughs) over working in the service industry so I stopped working in restaurants and kind of reoriented to childcare because I've always loved children Mm -hmm. um and um I wouldn't put this on my resume for an accounting position because it's it's not quite like right it's it isn't relevant like it's not at all but it did come up in an interview a couple times and I kind of framed it as because people are interviewers, employers were asking me, um, like, well, do you work now? And I said, well, I work part time in childcare. Um, I'm a nanny and I'm not going to, you know, sit here and make a case that yeah. um, it, <laughs> getting a kid to his violin lesson on time <laughs> requires the same time <laughs> management as working like an engagement. Yeah. But I will say that I think it's like a testament to the fact that I'm a trustworthy person, that I'm reliable, that I show up on time, that people trust me with their children, and that I've been able to maintain relationships that have been ongoing for three years. Mm. Um, You know, some of these children were three when I started working for their families, and now they're six years old. So, you know, client relationships. Yeah, So building and maintaining that. Yeah, and and just like like trust and reliability, those are all like relevant qualities of 
me as a person that can translate into the field. It's not so cut and dry as like hard skills. And mm -hmm. so I think it's important to remember that, okay, maybe the nannying thing doesn't make it on my resume. But, you know, if it comes up in an interview, you want to have a way that you can kind of twist mm -hmm. that and, and use it to your advantage. Yeah. And I feel like those are like the uh, business foundations too, like building relationships, yeah. maintaining that trust. And so, yeah, I totally can see how your ability to talk about that and explain, like, yeah, I am working right now too. Cause whatever their yeah. reasoning behind asking that question was in the moment and you know letting them know what you're up to yeah the other thing is that like employers love an underdog story <laughs> so yeah. like if you're <laughs> able to be like well it was really challenging when i came into a master's program for accounting with <laughs> no accounting background <laughs> but instead of spinning it i actually it was my mom who told me this she was like don't spin it like oh woe is me and then tanuja says the same thing don't come from a place of lack mm -hmm. like don't spin it like that spin it like it was not that it was difficult. It'd be like, it was challenging, but I rose to the challenge. It was fascinating. I didn't know that before, but as I continued to learn, things became fascinating. Mm -hmm. It made me want to learn more because think about it. Like who's actually working harder at the end of the day, like a student who did their undergrad in finance and is now studying, you know, accounting or somebody who this is all brand new to them. And they're basically learning a new language. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not saying that I, harder than other students <laughs> but I just think that employers can recognize that the transition for somebody who is coming from a different field is a lot to take on and I think that they see positive positive aspects in the fact that you're willing to take that on mm -hmm. yeah I think that's a that's a good point too because they think close to half of our students are making some sort of a career change yeah. and so and the grad business level, like there's students that, you know, pursue their undergrad and like a BBA and you know whichever discipline, and now are just looking to really find their specialization or like you know move up. But then there's the other half that really are trying something new and are trying to make a a change in their career. And so like you said, and being able to talk about that like perseverance and hard work and like excitement around challenges, I think really yeah. stands out. Yeah, so I employers think so too. instead of like to just us coming from that place of lack of like what you don't have because yeah. um, kind of going back to your earlier point in uh, your year one experience is that you kind of went into it with you know nothing really to lose and you're really just like information gathering and like I think that energy comes across to the people that you meet mm -hmm. and so I think if, if someone were to go in from that place of lack from that place of oh I don't have this that and the other experience that yeah. energy you know comes across as well and you know I think it's very easy for someone else to pick up on it and to read it and to really make them double think like well do I want this person on my team do I want this person on you know x y and z hiring managers team totally and I mean I think if we're gonna get real like a lot of a lot of people do switch careers because of the money like mm -hmm. because they realize like accounting is somewhere where you'll pretty much always have a job um and because it pays really well um i wouldn't like say that straight up in an interview but think about why you chose accounting as opposed to like something else like why mm -hmm. did you choose accounting instead of like becoming a doctor yeah. you know so like <laughs> think about how it's personal to you um 
because I mean that's obviously like <laughs> or like what's the drive really and yeah like what what sparked that interest and you know sharing that story kind of yeah like that first moment that story because I feel like that's kind of like what hooks you know interviewers and like oh like this person's like interesting like they you know they became interested in this because of x y and z and that helps you stand out right and they they like to hear interesting people they like to know a little bit about you and my interview with um rsm i i remember what was it we i walked in and um the interviewer just asked kind of like oh how are you this morning simple question but the thing is when you walk into an interview you kind of want to start making it conversational because then it's a lot more comfortable for both people and i think the best interviews end up feeling more like conversations where you're ping-ponging back and forth rather than one person's asking the questions and one person's in the hot seat and so this interview asked this interviewer asked me, um, how are you? And I said, oh, you know, I'm really good. A friend of mine um, showed up on my doorstep last night who's been really successful with her music and it's really taking off. So she's been touring a lot. I didn't expect to see her, but she rang my doorbell and, um, you know, she gave me a lot of good luck for the interview today. And it was just really cool to catch up with Mm her. Really super brief, super simple. And the interviewer was super interested oh what's her name what kind of music does she do like where has she been touring and i was able to say you know she just got this deal with spotify she's actually on a billboard in times square oh well our offices are in times square i'll have to keep an eye out for that kind of thing just so that it's like you shouldn't have an icebreaker prepared but when somebody asks you kind of how are you what's up with you you can kind of be a little bit more candid because Mm. that shows like it's not that they want to hear that all four of your best friends work for big four accounting <laughs> firms. Like, they want to hear a little bit about you if you're somebody who has interesting... Su- or, you know, sometimes they ask, what do you like to do in your spare time, you know? And you don't want to have this, like, canned thing of what you think they want to hear. Yeah. I think that, that always reminds me of um, an episode we had. I don't know if you ever got the chance to meet him, Soul Adler. He, he did an episode a few months ago on networking and like one of the things that we talked about was becoming an interesting person to like <laughs> have things to talk about outside of like your academics and outside of like your work or internship Yeah, because there's always going to be moments where like somebody asks you or like they're going to be interested in knowing like what else do you do like who are you as a person yeah Um, and I think that brings it back to kind of what we started with a little bit about just remembering that it's two people mm -hmm. having a conversation like it's you know they're just another person too at the end of the day one with much more experience (laughs) and probably making more money than you but a little bit more power (laughs) yeah (laughs) because they can make the decision if they hire you yeah but always going back to that you know like you know we're like on the same playing field you know like we're about to have this conversation and you know you're gonna ask me questions and tell me about the job and i'm gonna tell you why i'm interested and why i think that would be and also i think that having questions prepared for them is huge i mean i know that this is something that every advisor will encourage you to do um but come up with good questions i mean um one of ey's pillar i realized too is like asking the better question um Oof, so you can't show which off was like pretty <laughs> funny when i was like preparing for the interview i was like oh god i have to have like really good questions um so nina do you have any questions for us well you know because one of your values and 
pillars? <laughs> good questions. It's good to know that stuff about the company, yeah. but it's also like you have the same four questions prepared for each company because each company is different and you yeah. got to kind of dig around and see what makes them different. And, you know, I would ask totally different questions if I was like in an audit interview than I was in a forensics interview. Um, <coughs> kind of the rule that I came up with, too, was to have like a couple questions in mind for like about the internship or about the position and then a couple that are more about the landscape of whatever field that you're interested in. So for me being interested in forensics, um, I'm just genuinely curious about how cryptocurrency is going to affect like banking and Mm -hmm. how the work that forensic accountants do is going to be... Is it going to have more pressure on it because of some... A lot of these transactions are going to become anonymous. Like... Traditionally, that money goes through banking, and that's how you kind of trace a lot of it. It follows through the banking system. If that all changes because of blockchain technology, then, like, where does that leave our practice? Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I think to come up with questions that are like that, you do have to be interested in the field, the service line that you're going for. Mm -hmm. So I think it's more, it's, again, just, like, really take it on for yourself don't take it on for the employer like think about why it is that you're interested in those fields and then dig deeper yeah and hopefully like you are interested because let's say you do get the job you're gonna be working in it right you know like it'll become a pretty major part of your life like right yeah my roommates and i always joke (laughs) around we're like oh gosh you know, it's too bad that you have to spend, like, more time with your coworkers <laughs> at your job than you do with your friends or with your partner or with yeah. your, you know, pet. You know, you spend so much time there doing the work that, and it's not to say that you can't make changes later on, but it's just, you, you should be sure that it's something that you're at least curious about, at least interested in, that you have questions about. Yeah. And then when you sit down with those professionals in an interview, it's a great time to ask questions. Like, I got back genuinely um, strong answers that made me take a note on my notepad and go home and Google something, follow Mm -hmm. up about what they said because it was interesting to me. So even if I hadn't gotten the position in the end, it still would have been a great opportunity to kind of pick someone's brain who works in that field at such a high level. Yeah. It's a conversation, you know? Yeah. And I think, well, the reason why you got such a genuine response is because it was a genuine question that was, like, fueled by curiosity um, and interest. And so I, I think having that, I think, will lead to better questions instead of asking totally. like, super, like, baseline and like, you want to think about it from their perspective, like, how many people have they interviewed? How many times have they heard, like, what is something that a successful intern did to set themselves apart? Like, I... I'm not saying those kind of questions are bad. I usually have a couple of them in mind. Um, But I just think that you want to be somebody that they, like, remember and find interesting. So try to go for something that is personal to you Mm -hmm. because it will set you apart. Yeah. And help you stand out, like, from however many people they interviewed in the day and <laughs> how many yeah. applications are going to be reviewed. That's why I always say, like, oh, gosh, this must be a long day for you. How are you doing? How many more people do you have? Like, again, coming back to that, they are a person. Like, yeah. they're not some, like, omnipotent god that's just pulling strings and, like... It's a human... Like, it's another human. Yeah. You know, and it's a human experience and that, like, they're going to go home and 
cook dinner. Yeah. <laughs> and tell their friends or family about, you know, their And it's actually really funny how sometimes that conversational part of the interview can I was shocked one time I was in an interview. It was in this past OCR season. I don't remember which one it was, but I was like, wow, we've been talking about whether or not we're mourning people for like 15 minutes. And I was like, are we going to get down to it or what? Because we're like, oh, yeah, and then the city's so quiet in the mornings. Like, it's really nice. And like, it, it was just so conversational that I was I was surprised. Like, it, it really can, like lean on that side of things sometimes so yeah yeah um i'm kind of thinking in your point or, or your story rather of you know when you were uh, greeted by the interviewer then you, they asked you how you're doing and like you were doing really well because your friend you know stopped by like that's such an awesome story have you ever and it's okay if you haven't but like have you ever um tried that with someone and then it was just like you were talking to a wall and it was like shut down and if so like <laughs> how did you like bounce back if you had to or like because sometimes like I've met people that just like aren't as responsive to some things yeah I mean yeah you definitely can I don't know that was like the opener of the whole interview so mm-hmm. I've I mean it played pretty well I don't know I Hmm, that's a tricky question, but I've definitely been in interviews before where one person is, like, extremely friendly and, like, laughing and wants to hear all of your stories and they love it. And then the next person is, like, totally cold, like, brick wall. Oh, my God. And that's scary. That's for sure scary. I don't uh, remember, like, trying to make a joke and having it flop or anything <laughs> like that. But I do remember, like... St- you know, when it's more the second type of interview who's very hard to read um, and you're just not getting much from them, that kind of trips me up because I'm definitely, like, a really social person. I like making people laugh. I like telling stories. So, but they, yeah, it just wasn't really playing. And um, I remember being in that interview and just going, like, oh, God, this is not going well. (laughs) Like, and... It's just different interview styles. I don't think it necessarily means that they do or don't like you as a candidate. Um, But, yeah, those ones are tough. There's no way around it. There's no way to really spin that. If somebody's not giving you anything, it's tough. You kind of just have to bring it real professional and bring it tighter in. and Yeah. You know, less chit-chat, less jokes. And that's, like, definitely not my forte. (laughs) So, like... I just kind of got through it. Um, be not me. <laughs> yeah. 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 Those That's ones hard. are tough. It's tough. Yeah. Um, but actually, I have a good thing when that happens. Ask them about themselves. Ooh. Those those types of interviewers, if you ask them a question, I mean, I'm not sure like all of them, but this worked for me with that person. I remember I asked her like, um, what was a really successful point in your career? And she lit up. And well, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, then she smiled, and she was going on and on, and oh. I was, oh, so, you know, asking them about them. Everybody loves talking about themselves. Yeah. So if I'm not getting a very, like, human or that kind of connection from what I, a warm connection from what I'm telling you, let's flip it and see if you talking about yourself could break it mm-hmm. open a little bit more. Yeah, that's good, because... 
there are like even I've experienced too and you're so right there's always like that one person who's like your cheerleader basically and then you'll meet someone else who's just like super cold stoic yeah she was totally like that yeah yeah, like that's a good point and that you know trying different avenues and but also at one point like realizing like okay like if this is going to be my manager like do I want to work here totally you know because if this is my interview experience which is like a brief what 30 to hour ish long experience like do I really want to spend 40 50 60 hours a week in this kind of environment and also like asking yourself that and being honest with yourself and it it can be tough because sometimes it's like the only like lead that you have and so like you'll be able like you'd be willing to make that sacrifice but I think bigger picture also you know thinking about your own performance and you know work experience I think is really uh, important yeah I agree Wow. Um, let's see. I started writing some stuff down. Um, so you t- walked us through your first year, not too much luck, although you did get pretty far in, yeah. uh, in, the, in the interview processes and then um, added some things to your resume, uh, took on courses, secured the internship, uh, were involved with the Forensic Accounting Club, mm-hmm. and then year two came around. Um, how did you, like, prepare to kind of take everything, like, in your toolkit, everything in your portfolio to, like, show up once again, be it to, like, the career fair, the info sessions, networking events? Like, how did you prepare to kind of, like, summarize it all and, like, synthesize all of the experiences and then, like, be able to talk about those? I think just starting the OCR season at the earliest stage that you can manage with your schedule is good because, I mean, it does feel overwhelming um, when there are so many events, but each one you take a different thing away from. And so I felt like by the time I was actually sitting down to write my cover letters and apply to these positions. I already knew so much about like whether it was like the boot camp that I went to or or chatting with somebody at um, at the table at the accounting fair or also a question that I got a particularly sharp answer um, from at an information session like I just felt like I had so much material from those events on campus that I was able to take different parts of those events and kind of like work it into how I was because like I think it's really important each position you apply for that you know Mm -hmm. about it because that was another thing in the first year EY wasn't the only one I applied for it was the only one I got called back for but the other ones I just sent off a generic cover letter Mm. and now I just I could not even imagine doing that (laughs) like (laughs) because they want to know that you did your homework yeah and it's great that at Baruch there are so many events that you can go to to do your homework in a way that's social and has free food Mm -hmm. and you're networking (laughs) you know like just go just show up yeah and after you hear the presentation, you'll probably have a couple of questions. So ask your questions. And mm. then after you ask your question, there's usually some kind of like open networking portion. Stay and go up and shake the person's hand, look them in the eye and introduce yourself. And it was beneficial for me because I had information that I could then use in my application. 
But also it's beneficial to the recruiters because they remember you. Mm -hmm. Like that's pretty much their job. So like they're definitely keeping an eye out for that person who asks the right question or that person that came up and told them a little bit about themselves. Mm you know, I think in the first round of pulling applications, a lot of times that's what gets you put in the yeah. in the pile that moves on is to an interview, is yeah. just whether or not that person recognizes your name. Thank you emails are huge. Um, I would write thank you emails even after events, mm-hmm. um, just yeah. so that person sees your name in their inbox. That's a really good point in that um, recruiters or hiring managers or whoever, like they're working really hard to like, narrow down the list because <laughs> like it's totally a different person's job to narrow the list down than it is to actually pick the candidate yeah so it switches over yeah. at a certain point but you want to be in good from the jump so mm-hmm. you want to like make sure the recruiter really likes you and then like at a certain point it's not really their call anymore so it's almost like two rounds of mm-hmm. preparation like yeah. And the first one is really social, and it's about showing up to things, asking questions, introducing yourself, just being, like, real relentless. And then the second round is really about being more polished and, like, really zoning in on yourself. And, like, it's not so much, like, fun and games and chit-chat. It's more just, like, really being critical about your experience and, like, how it's relevant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good explanation in the way in which that it works. Yeah, the campus recruiter is, like, they're really the ones that are essentially like screening and trying to filter like people out and get like a short list and then send that to hiring managers and yeah. so then they'll meet with them and then the hiring managers are really ones the ones that are making the call. Yeah. Um, but I, I think you're still right in that for recruiters it can be really overwhelming because they have so many numbers, they have so many applicants and so many people that they're meeting. So how can you best stand out? But also remembering that like. Baruch is not the only school that they're visiting either for some of these positions. So they've got not just hundreds of students at Baruch, but they've got like hundreds of students across other campuses in the Metro New York area. Totally. And so sometimes like even I've heard from employers too, they'll say like, yeah, like thanks so much for sending like the applications, but we kind of have like our list from like our touch points at different events. And by no means does that, does that, uh, mean that you should not have a good resume or cover letter because mm-hmm. then if anything at that point let's say you meet someone at an event they love you they want to add it to that short list they're still essentially going to have to like justify their selection and so like yeah. you know the documents that you have submitted at that point are really what someone else will have to go by so you have to make sure that they're both in line and both are good representations of yourself totally they're equally as important you know, I would say that the documents are obviously more formal um, and ultimately what they're going to kind of make their decision based on. But, you know, if you don't show up to the events and do your homework and ask questions, um, you may not even get to that point where you're able to, like, have those documents be looked at. Right. They may end up in that void. Yeah. Which, Which we don't want. Yeah, we don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> we want everybody to get an interview and get a great job right yeah totally that is the goal I mean that is the goal and I mean I think that I think that again from not invited to invited that even just getting the interview is something to be really proud of like that first year I was kind of like wow I can't believe I made it that far in the process but and then I was disappointed when it didn't happen but even having the interview 
I felt more confident going into the second year of OCR, like even down to something like understanding the mechanics of the video interview, which mm-hmm. is the first round interview with yeah. a lot of the big fours. Yeah. Like that is not a comfortable thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I had done it the first year, I was a little bit, you know, so don't don't discount the the value of even having an interview. Like, mm-hmm. don't look at it as a total loss because I know everybody says this, but it's true. Like, now you have interview experience. Yeah. That could inform the next year, the next position you apply for. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, that experience from year to year or two is so helpful. And like, just how you were saying, like, it'll give you a sense of confidence of like, okay, like, and I went through it, I learned a lot, I've added a lot to, you know, my resume, my portfolio, things I can, you know, point to and talk about. And so showing up with that, I think confidence really carries, um, carries through. Um, want to be mindful of the time, so can definitely wrap up. Uh, but I guess before we go, any last bits of advice, let's say someone just went through their first, first OCR, didn't really succeed, um, and are maybe feeling a little discouraged, a little stressed out because finals are coming. Yeah, totally. Um, any bits of advice, you know, for, for listeners who might be in that position? Yeah, so um, I think, like, some general advice, which I've been speaking to, like, throughout this, but just to sum it up, is, like, don't sleep between OCR seasons, like, mm-hmm. in terms of just doing your own research and doing things that make you a more well-rounded person not for them, but for yourself. Um, and, I mean, maybe not right now, because obviously we're in the middle of finals week, but maybe the first couple, um, you know, weeks of next semester as we're getting syllabuses and working into our classes a little bit slower, maybe start a book on, you know, an area that you think is of interest or follow a Twitter account of an expert in the field that has some insight. Um I think it's really easy to switch back and on and off between candidate and OCR student mm-hmm. and, and and then student, mm-hmm. like depending on which season it is. Like, oh, OCR is over, so I'm not a candidate anymore. So I have to, it's okay to stop giving that like candidate face forward, best foot forward. It's okay to just be a student and and just try to stray away from that like dichotomy of wit either or like, you know, just enjoy learning, enjoy your classes, and and try to do some things outside of class that kind of, like, are just going to help you to grow. And then when the OCR season comes around again, you can look back and, and talk about that growth. Um, and then also another piece of, of general advice is that, like, your negatives can become positives. Like what I spoke about, uh, about having challenges being a career switcher and and thinking that I didn't have relevant experience like just the experience of doing a career switch was huge and I spoke to that a lot during interviews and and they really liked to hear about that that I set myself up for a challenge because I knew it would motivate me Mm -hmm. so don't always yeah try to see the negatives as something that could become a positive And then I have one more piece of pretty specific advice um, is that you guys should use um, group projects like that you're given in class when you have Mm. to work with a group um, for those behavioral interview questions because like you guys know what I'm talking about, right? When it's 
when was a time that you were faced with a challenge mm-hmm. or when working with a group or something like that? Yeah, they usually begin with like, tell us about a time or give us an example of. And, and they'll, they'll be looking to see like how you performed in the past because employers believe that's a good indicator of how you'll perform in the future. Um, so yeah, behavioral questions are huge in interviewing. Yeah, and I find that a lot of times they also like tie in how you work with others mm-hmm. or how you like project manage or something like that. Um, and I was a little bit unsure about some of those. Like, I don't know if some of my experience was like would really stand up to those, but um, that's a great opportunity to speak about working on a group project because in a similar way when you're in class and you're assigned a group you can't choose who you work with and that's really similar to like working in an office like on an engagement with a team of people mm-hmm. versus like i remember when preparing for those behavioral questions i was going back and forth like oh should i use this example of when i curated an art show and had this big group of people working for me and how we reached our deadline because that's technically work experience or should i speak about this like class group project and even though the work experience was more technically relevant as work experience and the other thing was like oh it's just kind of something that i did in school the group project actually did make more sense because when I'm curating an art show, I'm choosing the artists who I work with, yeah. you know? So it's like that's a hand-picked group of people because I am kind of have an idea of how they're going to work. That's not the same as being you thrown into, <laughs> you know. Always have that luxury. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so just, like, keep an eye out when you work with others on group projects in your courses because that's a great um, example of something to use if you feel like, a little bit thrown by those behavioral interview questions because yeah. I know that those always come up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much any interview. Yeah, they'll come up in the mix of behavioral, technical, and that's it. Yeah. But um, thanks so much, Gina. This is I feel like we've covered so much. Your yeah, life. I hit on all the bullet points that that I had Yay. thought I would. <laughs> year one, year two, successes, and um, uh, just it's been really great to see you like you were saying like growing and like getting so much you know additional experience and insights and really like immersing yourself uh in and outside of the classroom and you know i think because of that you were able to you have been and were able to stand out during the process and i'm really excited for for what's to come for you i'm excited too thank you so much for having me on the podcast stefano yeah of course so everybody thanks so much for listening um doing my best to get this up asap so that you have some really good stuff to listen to while you uh take a break from studying from finals uh but best of luck as you wrap up the semester best of luck with finals hope you all have a wonderful holiday season and we'll see you in 2020 thanks happy holidays guys bye